Bandwidth for this week in photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This week on the show, a 100 megapixel camera, Photoshop versus the elements, and a discussion with legendary magazine photographer Joe McNally. Right here on This Week in Photography, number 20. Welcome back to yet another episode of This Week in Photography, and uh, and Scott here is in the office. He's not even eight or nine blocks away. Hey, Scott. Hi. It's good to be here. I'm checking in. We're recording from the Pixel Core studio instead of the Pedango studio. A little change of pace. They, we don't have as nice... Our headphones aren't as nice. Your headphones are definitely not as nice. <laughs> but other than that, it ain't bad. Also, uh, from Hermosa Beach, we've got Ron Brinkman. Hey, Ron. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. And also um, from Richfield, Connecticut, uh, we have uh, a special guest, uh, Joe McNally. Hey, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Um, very well. And uh, so Joe, of course, is the author of The Moment It Clicks and, of course, uh, a, uh, um, a very experienced uh, magazine photographer. And we're going to be talking to Joe more in detail a little bit later. Now, uh, in the news, we've got uh, a couple a couple new pieces of uh, news coming in here. A Flickr ads video. So now, if you are a uh, pro user, I don't know what, what is a pro user, a pro member. You pay money. How much? How much money do you pay? Twenty bucks a year. Twenty nine bucks a year. It's insignificant. It's a couple dollars a month. Okay, so you, if you are a, that, that makes you a pro pro user, pro member. You can share ninety seconds. In your photo stream, so you can you can throw up ninety seconds at a time. And let me tell you, this is one of those things where I'm wondering if they didn't get together at Flickr and go, "Hey, I think we should add a new feature," and forget to ask their customers if they wanted it. Because overnight, this has started started a firestorm. There are like giant sites with big badges you can download that say "No video on Flickr," and it's uh, created a little bit of a uh, a problem. People are uh, perturbed. They're perturbed. They're not. They're not happy. And and here's part of the reason why is because you have no way to distinguish between video and stills. Right. So you click on something thinking you're looking at a still photo, and it ends up being a commercial. Because in less than twelve hours, in less than twelve hours, the uh, the the commercial and spammers and all those people have found a way to start putting ads up. Right. And and. Um, you know, it's sort of like root beer and Seven Up. If you like root beer and you like Seven Up, but you go to take a drink of Seven Up and it tastes like root beer, yeah, you're surprised. And people are looking for stills. I, and we actually posted this on the discussion forum, Alex. Right. What do you think about this? And it was overwhelmingly people didn't like it. Yeah, and it, I think it'll be interesting. I think that I think definitely a search capability that lets you turn off video. I think is going to be important. or even an icon that says this one's video. Yeah, well, something that shows you it's video or something that, that literally just allows you to say, I want to ignore, I want my world to just remain the way it was. Yeah. And that would be very easy, you know, to put in a preference, a user preference that just says ignore all of the, the video. But I think that, uh, I mean, I can see why they did it. I mean, you have a very, very large number of people, um, you know, that you could aggregate using video as well as audio. I mean, sorry, sorry, video as well as photography. Um, I think that it's uh, and I think that there's so little difference between <laughs> still cameras and video cameras now. And every still camera can shoot video nowadays for all the point and shoots. But it, it's, yeah. it's interesting that, that you know limiting it to 90 seconds too. It it definitely shows that they're not trying to be you know YouTube or something like that. They're looking at it very differently. 
Although so, YouTube know. could sometimes benefit by being limited to ninety seconds. Well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think YouTube. I think you, I think YouTube would be fantastic if it was all limited to ninety seconds. Because you know, I can only watch about ninety seconds of somebody's dog farting before I'm ready to move on. <laughs> Joe, you were going to say something? <laughs> I'm right there with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an odd one, but I, I kind of I don't know. I, I kind of hope that it does do something a little bit different than YouTube and kind of hits a different demographic. But well, what's wrong with shoot, what's wrong know, with little, little tiny clips and stuff uh, when I'm traveling, and that's exactly where this would fit. But what's wrong with like Flickr for video? I mean, a separate site. Like, okay, there's Flickr for stills and Flickr for video. Why not split if them up? I'm putting up a, a you know a page that's got you know my latest trip or you know visiting the nieces and nephews or something. And I took a bunch of pictures and shot a couple short videos. Uh, you know, yeah, I guess there's, those- an ar- th- there's an argument for both. I guess I don't. I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. But I'm telling you, there are folks who do. Well, I, you know, I think that for me, you know, I have an SD. You know, I have I have an SD card, and I, it's got video. And you know, I was shooting um, geese trying to kill me uh, earlier last weekend, <laughs> and um, and uh, I got a good photo of one, but the video was better. <laughs> Did you turn the photo into the cops and say this geese tried to kill me? No, <laughs> no, we're, it was out in the country. You know, okay. we, we're our own police officers. <laughs> okay. So. Um, so uh, so anyway, the uh, no, we were out. Um, geese obviously don't don't really like it when you get near the eggs. You know, it's just one of those things. Something to think about. Yeah, it's our own pond, though. So so the um, so anyway, the uh, but I shot I shot a little video, which was which was kind of fun. That, that's connected to it, and I can yeah. see why I I would prefer to be able to put that up in the same. Well, that you grouping. guys you guys have now made the first cogent argument I've heard that I could agree with because up till now I haven't heard any. But those are good arguments for for why it might be okay. But I still want. To have somebody put a, a little icon or something up there telling yeah, the video. there's no reason not to make it very clear which is which and be able to filter in and out and that kind of stuff, definitely. You know, just to test, I was going through photos in our pool. In, the, in case anybody doesn't know, you're new to the show, we have the, the TWIP photo discussion forum on Flickr, which now is about 3,300 people. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we're at about 1,100 on our critique pool. So we, we're growing... You know, roughly a hundred a week on the critique, and roughly two fifty, three hundred a week on the other. Um, but I clicked on a photo, and it happened to be this is just purely by coincidence of a fairly attractive woman, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be a video. Right? Maybe not a video that you would want shared with your son. Oh, right? really? But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so they haven't gotten the filtering uh, really worked out. It yet. was so, on so about fifteen minutes later. There's the argument for longer than 90 seconds. There perhaps. you go. <laughs> I, 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 I lose interest after about 90 seconds anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's amazing to me is a point you guys touched on earlier is how many people get upset about this stuff. I mean, you said earlier this crowd is sort of upset about this whole new, you know, wrinkle. And that's just amazing to me because this is so, so become embedded in people's lives. You know, Flickr is a very important deal to a lot of folks. Right, and yeah. because of it, they're passionate. I think they don't like change. I actually think might it might be that they don't like being con- not consulted. The, well, or the other possibility is that they consider it to be interruptive. I think the other thing you have to consider is whether it's a vocal minority or whether it's really going to be because the, the the Flickr. I think by design, the Flickr community is very dispersed. They can't. There's no way to really aggregate everybody together at one time, and I think that that's done on purpose. Um, and because of that, I think that yeah, you may get four, four or five thousand out of millions and millions of people that are very upset. But it's not. It's not most of you know uh, of Flickr. I think that I think that well over half. And I would venture to say 70 to 80% will not think anything of uh, Flickr changing to video. Yeah, that's a good point. Those go, oh, that's, that's yeah. cool. 
You know, the, you know, because you know, I think that there are a lot of passionate people in Flickr. I think probably a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people that are very passionate about what they do. And then there's millions and millions in of fact, other ones. They just kind of throw stuff up there. There were people at the Olympic torch run yesterday, mm-hmm. which happened to ha- take place here in San Francisco. You know, and there were the Chinese protesters and the Beijing protesters and the Tibetan protesters. There were people with Flickr signs saying no video. <laughs> yeah, there was something about them blaming China for the whole thing. You know, it was it was a very upsetting thing. Also in the news, uh, we've got a hundred. Get this, a hundred megapixel camera. So um, this is actually uh, research done by Adobe, um, and uh, this is it, it doesn't really build a hundred megapixels all at one place. But what it does is it shoots um, basically nineteen images um, all at one time at different. Uh, focal lengths, basically, um, different focuses, not focal lengths, but different foc- focusing ranges, um, so that you are able to essentially have a virtual uh, a virtual scene that you can refocus uh, later. Ron, did you see this at all? Did you get a chance to look at this? Yeah, I've seen. This is actually this isn't all that new. Uh, there's been a few. Stanford's been doing some pretty cool research on this over the course of the last several years. I mean, the, the basic concept is, you know, rather than having a single big sensor. Uh, the software exists now to reassemble a lot of smaller images into a large image. You know, it's basically the same thing you do whenever you shoot panoramics and stitch it together. It's a little trickier because your lenses are offset from each other, so you have this this parallax shift that's going on in there. But the software can kind of compensate for that and start to still seam this stuff together. And so, what it, get, it gives you a few things. It gives you you know much higher resolution potentially, but that's almost not the interesting part. The cool thing about it is. Because these different lenses are slightly offset, um, you can effectively derive depth information. You can sort of use that information to triangulate on how far away the different stuff is. And then that means once you have that, you have kind of, you know, what we call a depth map of the scene. You can use, you can do all kinds of post-processing on it. You can, after the fact, affect your depth of field and just choose to have a really narrow depth of field or as deep as you want. Uh, I mean, conceivably, you could do anything. You could color correct stuff in the background or darken it down. So ultimately, I, mean, I, I really believe, I've been planning to write a blog post about this for ages, that you know, this is kind of the future where this stuff is really going. I think you'll see, you know, especially in the point-and-shoot realm, you'll see a camera that's really uh, not a single lens, but just an array of very you know, inexpensive lenses. And I think you can build this now that will give you a lot more information uh, than a regular camera does and really kind of bridge that gap between shooting you know, stereo kind of 3D stuff and flat photo. In the year 2525, the Olympus C9325 came out with a 2 billion megapixel sensor for only $199. (laughs) Now, I I will bet money, I'll say right now, that within five years, you'll see consumer cameras that do exactly this kind of stuff in that, you know, consumer price point, you know, a few hundred dollar range. Well, and I think think when you start combining this, you really are getting to this kind of post-composition of a shot, which is, you know, people can argue whether it's good or bad, but when you're looking at, at high dynamic range i mean you you could be if you combine that with something like this now you're now you're sitting here uh that makes uh, sense now you're talking about being able to basically shoot 20 or 30 stops of of light um with infinite focus and now you know or or nearly infinite focus but the depth map to let you bring that back and now you're able to uh you know uh recomposite the entire thing recomposite what was focused i mean you have the frame of reference of what you shot but then you have uh, exactly everything moves into post-production yeah, you right. know, all, all you got to do is make sure you're in the right place to get the picture, and then everything else is uh, is a post process. Even and in including, you know, you'll be really shooting, basically shooting video, and then choosing the point in time you want as well. That can be a post production thing. 
That's an interesting notion to be actually in the field as a photographer and actually not be shooting the frame, but as you just indicated, a frame of reference. Yeah, you're yeah, just capturing right. the stuff. Uh, you know, we, we do this in the visual effects world all the time where you go on right. to a, a location and you shoot just tons of reference footage and all that and you come back and rebuild the scene and then, you know, the, the DP or the director decides, all right, I actually want to be looking over here. I think that's the kind of stuff that you're going to see move into just, you know, basic photography as well. Yeah, because I mean, and what what is really being fueled by, of course, is the is just the one-upmanship that's required um, by all of the all, all of these companies. This is a huge market, and people are diving into it, and they're going to keep on competing to our benefit. The cameras will be the size of your fist, but the box they come in will be the size of a crate because they'll need something that large to put the number of megapixels in the image on the side of the box. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The. Well, and then you have, what's funny is, is that I find that when you see all this technology moving forward, one of the things that, that's, that's very fascinating is the, is almost the, the, um, when I see something done very, uh, um, uh, old school, so to speak, uh, it's very mesmerizing. You know, something about it. There's this, uh, this is another website called blue, I'm sorry, boy of com slash cameras.html. And he makes pinhole cameras. Oh yeah, really, really nice pinhole cameras. And um, and we just the, lost ninety percent of our audience. Sorry, <laughs> pinhole cameras are. Um, uh, but the um, no, wait, when you wait, look wait, at you these guys. images, when you <laughs> look at these images, though, when we think about all this technology moving all the way forward, uh, when you go back and look at these incredibly ornate little cameras that, sh- and then you look at the images, there's something very magical, I think, about that, that I think that, we may, that we're in the danger of losing when we get to a techno- when no, that, technology. That, that crowd point. will never die, Alex, I'll tell you what, because as <laughs> things get more technological and, and, and superior, there's always going to be the counterculture kids, the young kids that think it has to be hard to be good. And they're going to be, you know, expl- you know, working on like glass plates and stuff because, right. well, that's the way Ansel Adams started. And right. I mean, we'll never lose those guys because they want things to be hard and they think they should get points. That's my favorite part. When I used to critique images, somebody would say, but I climbed three mountains and got up at four in the morning and got bitten by chiggers and I, I, I know, but see I was left with I saw it and I was like you know I wonder if I could build a pinhole lens that I could just pop onto my so I have a digital pinhole lens yeah but it you doesn't can't. matter what you went through to get the image it matters what it looks like <laughs> right there, there's a website out there somewhere Alex for uh, basically just taking a aluminum foil and uh, making a little pinhole lens that you can put over the front of the uh, I'm going to try it. digital camera. It's, it's I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, if I figure it out, then... Uh, It'll be a project. We can do a video. I'll go down to Tech Shop. I'll go down to Tech Shop in, in San Jose, and, we'll, uh, and I'll, I'll machine one out, and then we'll, we'll get it all working. So, uh, also in the news... I bet you can buy a Canon mount pinhole lens somewhere. <laughs> nice. <for that. laughs> a a future video coming, yeah. coming for everyone here. Also in the news, of course, Canon and Nikon uh, has fixed the four firmware for their 40s. The 40s. Just the 40s. Uh, I guess the, D, the 30D as well. So the D40 and the, thir- and the 40D um, from Canon and, uh, and Nikon, um, they have some you know, minor fixes um, that work mostly with image stabilization and, and some other uh, accurately recording like the, the image data. The syntax of the, the description of what <laughs> fixes a phenomenon in which a part of the image looks unnatural when reviewed on the LCD. <laughs> I often, <laughs> so I often think that. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where that comes from. So, uh, so the um, anyway. So, make sure that you're updating your firmware uh, if you haven't already. Um, and uh, and also, we had uh, there's a there's a couple new cameras from uh, from Panasonic that that have um, uh, that have come out. Uh, I don't know. If, did you guys see these are you know more just this just to keep Panasonic to keep or Sony? Sorry, uh, no. Um, 
I'm sorry. I know there's a couple of Sony. I threw it out. Nikon released the P80. Yeah. So the P80. Yeah, it's it's another one of these kind of in between. It's it's a tweener. It's a tweener. It's trying to get between a uh, uh, you know a a point and shoot and uh, and SLR. My my only problem with these cameras is that is that if I'm going to carry something that big around, I just want an SLR. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's but it you know if you look at the price point of some of these things. You can buy the entry-level Canon or Nikon for pretty close to the same money and actually get the ability to interchange lenses if you happen to, you know, get your, your photography uh, habit going right. a little stronger. Whereas you buy one of these things with, with no interchangeable lens, you're stuck with it. And I imagine there is going to be a group of people that just never need to go further than that. But I... I you know, there's so many of these things. I got to tell you, I, it's hard for me to even pay attention as they continue <laughs> to release, you know, hundreds of these little mini models every day. Right. I mean, so, good gosh. So I got Joe, I got a question for you. Is you know, obviously somebody who shoots with high-end gear, do you carry around a little point-and-shoot when you're in the field or just generally? I do, actually, and it's been sort of a, a recent development where I've I've launched my blog, and I need occasionally just like a blog snap, you know, of something that's going on at that moment. So I bring a little uh, Coolpix, uh, the, the P5000, I think, is the, is the uh, designation for it, and it's definitely a cool little camera. Do you feel any need to upgrade to the P6000, 7000, 8000, 9000, 10000, 11000? No, I'm right there with you. I mean, I am so so tired of of like you know these advertisements or whatever things popping up on my on my uh, email like the new you know SDX forty three hundred replaces the SDX forty two hundred which we brought out yesterday, and uh, but you're going to be astonished at this twenty four hour development. Thank you very much. You know, it's 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 better than Viagra, better than Levitra. It's the new forty three hundred. I've got a big lens, boy. (laughs) It's just nuts. When they when they release two or three uh, uh, when they release two or three cameras that are almost identical except for one little change that you know cost like ten cents more than the other one you're like you're making us you're, you're confusing us as consumers uh, when there's just there's only a handful of things that I don't know I really you know care about I mean well did you hear your announcement about the new firmware the D thirty and the thirty D the D forty and the forty D I mean they can't even pick like they can't even have the decency to pick a different letter amongst each other <laughs> you know why not okay you take A through L I like I, I just want to call everything in the super <laughs> super so uh, jumping on we have a site of the week uh, and this one is kind of a, an interesting uh, site of the week uh, this is alltop.com. And and it's interesting for lots of reasons. Guy Kawasaki, in case you don't know who he is, he's one of the reasons that you've heard of Apple Macintosh computers. He wrote one of my favorite books of all time. It's out of print, but if you look for it, you can get it. It's called The Macintosh Way. But anyway, he starts companies, you know, the way I eat breakfast, which is pretty much every day. One of his new companies is called alltop.com. It's an aggregation site to aggregate the very top blogs in the world. And he's got 30 or so categories and 30 or so blogs in each of the categories. It's at alltop.com. And you'll notice, looking through those categories, there's one for photography. And in my opinion, he has indeed come pretty close to getting all the top photography blogs out there. And that's partially because ours is included. And ours is included, which happens to show that Guy is very smart still. Yes, exactly. Because uh, otherwise we would have been like, you know. We would have never mentioned the site. No, I'm just kidding. It is a good resource. And uh, now don't think that this gets us off the hook from using some of these sites in the future. I was going to say, the the downside of mentioning this now is (laughs) we'll see where we steal all of our uh, thoughts from. No, no. But if you just want to, if you know what, the 
I, I heard Guy describe this, and he said the idea is that you can look kind of across when you look at the aggregation page, and there's always one page. That's the secret to the site. There's never two pages. It's one page. When you look at them, you can sort of see side by side what everybody's talking about. Right. So you can see if there's an idea gaining traction, if there's something that truly like, and that's the way I found out, for instance, that the Flickr thing was getting a lot of attention. I saw it there. But anyway, go to alltop.com. It's an incredible resource, not just for photography, but for everything. But that is our site of the week. And we'll link to a post that we actually put up yesterday on the twipphoto.com blog about it. And what we'd really like to do, Alex, is get some suggestions from the audience. Yes. If you if you have a favorite photography site, blog, website, whatever, would you please, please, please go to the twipphoto.com page and use the contact us by email button and send us an email. Let, let us know what your favorites are. And more importantly, let us know why. Don't just send me a link and say, this is my favorite. Send me a link and tell me why you like it. And then we'll add that to the pool. And, and um, our producer, Aaron, will, will put that all in a big mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagnall's porch. And he'll shake it up and we'll pick a name and we'll, we'll get some other sites going. And if you're delicious savvy, um, you, you can also uh, you can link this news as well as uh, cool sites that we should take a look at at uh, Twip Ideas. So just simply tag uh, your delicious uh, links with uh, Twip Ideas. Uh, and uh, so um, please let us know. Uh, now we have the Flickr challenge in the current poll. So um, the Flickr challenge went very, very well, as, as oh, usual. More than 220 images submitted. And beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. We just gave, we our, our practice every two weeks is to have a Flickr challenge. We ask our audience to participate. Submit one image and one image only that you think's your best that satisfies the theme. The theme this time was people. We don't ever, ever give any additional guidance. We let you interpret the theme however you want. There were some amazing portraits, amazing photographs, mm-hmm. some very creative stuff. The winner was Thomas Hawk. Angels are messengers from God. Yeah, and as some of you might know Thomas Hawk. He does the photo walking stuff. Mm-hmm. Did that with Robert Scoble while Scoble was at Pod Show for 15 minutes. But in any event, it is uh, it is a stunning photograph. It has massive impact. When I select an, uh, a photograph in a competition or when I'm judging or critiquing, I look for an image that has big impact. And this is a very arresting photograph. Very well done. And uh, if you would like to claim your prize, you get a prize, Thomas. Just send us your contact information because you win a copy of Andrew Darlow's great book on inkjet printing. He promised that when he was on the show a couple of weeks. He's going to give you a copy of his inkjet tips book. And uh, we also uh, have the link already on the blog to the winner and the runner-up. We have another contest coming in two weeks. You have uh, the following two weeks to participate. And the subject is animals which you have some background in (laughs) i've done a wee bit of wildlife (laughs) and uh, i i um i i'm going to hold you all to high standards because you've done a great job and uh you know animals alex you know what we're going to get we're going to get people say well does my dog count does it we're going to say the same thing we always say anything you want to put up there it's what you think makes up the animal thing and we're going to give away another free book as always Mm -hmm. and in in the ensuing week in between 
the Twippers will all get out there and hit the critique form and look at your images and do some critiques for you. So please participate because the reason that this show works is that it's not just a one-to-many communications medium where we talk and you listen. You guys are part of the show. You you, you get on there, you post your images, you gals too. We, we like uh, seeing what you're doing and we like hearing from you. Yeah, and, and, and once again, the value of all of this is to make sure that we're all doing something at the same time. Getting everybody to think about uh, a, a common issue or a common problem uh, together, I think, uh, is, is really the value of the of the challenge big instruction going on there too that's the thing that's really probably my favorite thing about it alex the you know we all are kind of busy doing the best we can trying to get the Mm -hmm. show out so a lot of our audience members right. will get in there and help each other out as they're trying to work through problems, as you said. And that's really the power of it. That's the scalability when we're all thinking. But if we're all working on different photo projects, we, we're trying to solve different problems, and it's, it's, it's difficult to have that kind of conversation. Yep. So also uh, poll results. Uh, we have a, um, uh, the, uh, the poll this, this over the last couple of weeks was um, what, how much people are going to spend on their gear. So uh, the, um, the, the numbers broke out this way. We had a nine nine 9.5 percent said they're less than a hundred bucks. Um, hundred. Uh, Those are the people whose spouses answered for them. The biggest number, um, and I guess this would, this would make sense for the 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 the, the, the largest number of people uh, were one thousand to two thousand uh, dollars. That was nineteen point eight percent. So um, they are uh, a lot like of people. A lot of people, yeah, getting ready to buy their uh, SLR. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, actually, well over a third of the respondents said they were going to spend more than a thousand dollars over some of them over two thousand yeah yeah so two thousand fifteen point six percent yeah um, so when you take the two top numbers together it's over a third thirty five some odd percent of our respondents and by the way two thousand people responded to this poll so this isn't a small sample right and it's probably getting in into the range uh of, of what's going on there so um anyway it was very uh very enlightening for we got, us we got another poll we got another poll and the, and the poll is how do you listen to twip no, I can't do that because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Everybody's going to complain about iTunes. Everybody's going to complain about Alex's decision to use iTunes. So no, no, what no. we're going to no, do? We, we, no, we, we need to. We need to ask. We, we need to ask. We'll, we'll do that. But I'll, is there the, some the, other way to listen? Yes, we'll get into that in a second. We'll put that. up. I promise that'll be the next poll. The, this poll we've already got up is: What do you like to shoot? People, okay. animals, travel. Macro. Oh, what do you like to shoot there? Yeah, what do you like to take pictures of? We have okay. seven categories. All right, great. And I thought that would help us kind of point the show topics every once in a while if we see that there's a whole lot of interest in something we haven't covered. Okay. But I can answer I can answer the other poll question for you already. Well, I actually know <laughs> the answer to the other poll question. Having seen the emails by the thousands. Yeah, but I, I, having seen the stats from yeah. PodTrack. Well, the way, pe- <laughs> the way people listen is they listen over iTunes. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's That's kind of because we kind of make them. <laughs> you know. So the uh, there's there's been talk about I mean the the, the internal conversation this is a little bit of uh, insider baseball. baseball yeah <laughs> jinx owe me a coke um, the uh, the the issue is is that we could make the we could go even further um, and make the, the the podcast even better six months or twelve months down the road but we're trying to figure out whether we should or not so or what, we'll Alex, complaints. what Alex means by that we're going to get rid of AAC and go to movies get real restrictive <laughs> so stop yeah. complaining because you push him over the edge and then, and then we won't even be able to get it regularly so uh, those of you that want an MP3 please hear this it could it could go further it, it's it's available but it's not it's just not available in the feed right so you can, you can get it at, at pixelcore.tv but I want to say this, and I do, you know, we would appreciate it 
if you would, whether or not you're going to listen full time through iTunes. Just at least subscribe so we know you're there. Yeah. So the uh, um, now to get to the meat of the conversation here today. Something more important. Yeah, exactly. We're going to move out of the uh, the housekeeping and into uh, we've got uh, Joe McNally uh, and Joe. Um, Joe, can you give people a little bit of your background? Sure. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I'm on, how, how did I'm you get the, started? Like, how did you become a photographer? Oh, that's, that's something I'm always curious about. Like, how did you get into it? Back around the time the Earth cooled, um, it, I, I wanted to be a writer. I went to school to be a writer, mm-hmm. and as part of that curriculum, I was literally forced to take a photography class. And borrowed a camera from my dad, and the camera just you know it felt natural. It sounds kind of like you know, you know that's sort of a cliche thing, but I I picked up the camera. And I thought, geez. This is something I could do. And also, I, I like to stay out. You know, I, I'm, I'm no good in an office. And I started to realize this is the direction I was going to go in in terms of journalism. And, and so you really didn't have, a, until you got to college, you weren't really doing a lot of photography as a child or, or anything else like that? Zero. Absolutely zero. zero. What was the first camera? It was a. It was called a Beauty Light Three. I still have it. Uh, it was my dad's camera. It was the family snap camera. It was a forty-two millimeter rangefinder, and uh, it was a pretty sharp lens. And I used it for oh god, about two years. That's fantastic. Now, now, where did you go from there? How did you? Uh, what? 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 Or what is the meat of your of what you do now? Well, I've been a magazine photographer for a long time. I, when I left school, as, as always, you think about things, uh, think what you're going to do. But photography is not a particularly planable career, if you know what I right. mean. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of bend and curve with whatever seems to be the next best thing to do or opportunity that presents. I, I went to New York, first off. I, I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to work in New York, and which was a massively stupid thing to do because I was a completely green out-of-school photographer. And here I went to the hotbed of professional photography and thought, hey, hey. Guys, give me a job, you know, which was not going to happen. I spent a few years struggling in New York. My first job in journalism was a copy boy at the New York Daily News back in the 70s. And um, I went from there to being fired by the Daily News and being put out on the street. And the only way I could really, you know, make a living was to hit the wire services. I started doing jobs for the New York Times. Um, God forbid, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it. I used to stalk Studio 54 in the late 70s. Chase people down the block, uh, working for the UPI literally for twenty-five bucks a picture, right. and then I got this oddball job, and I became a staff photographer at ABC Television for about a year and a half. Now, what does a photographer do at, at a television network? You shoot the stills for you know promotions, publicity, right. you know the 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 covers of the of the weekend uh, you know television editions that come out with all the newspapers. You have to shoot the event that you're shooting, like Monday Night Football, but then you right. have to shoot the cameras shooting the event, and then you right. have to shoot on-air talents, you know Ted Koppel, all of that sort of thing. I would go to all my children and photograph Susan Lucci's you know new new wedding, you know of of the many weddings she's had on that soap opera and then i would go back into the studio and shoot uh you know a still life of an emmy award or something like that in a lot of ways it was a great training ground for a black and white street photographer all of a sudden to walk in the door my boss looked at me and said uh you know we shoot kodachrome here that's all we shoot i was like really okay i'd never put a roll of kodachrome through my camera so this is going to be real interesting but you didn't tell him that did you 
Of course not. <laughs> no, I no, <laughs> no. I did not tell him that. I kind of went off and I bought myself a set of Dynalites. I didn't really know how to plug them in, and uh, started to experiment. Luckily, it was a job that um, expected failure, and I routinely delivered uh, on that <laughs> level. Uh, you know, is you know, as a photographer for a network, you're always the caboose of the operation. They're there to make video. They're not there to make stills. So you have to learn how to be very adaptable, cozy up to the director see if you can get an angle, see if you can talk to the star, the talent, can I get a few minutes of your time, etc. So you learn to be kind of a jack of all trades and also a bit of a psychologist and trying to find very isolated windows that they allow you to work. Do you think that that kind of almost pressure cooker atmosphere or, or an area where you're just shooting, 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 shooting and not, you know it's not all going to be quality, do you think that's useful as far as developing or hardening your skills? Absolutely. Absolutely. I always tell young photographers the best training in the world is to go wherever you need to go, whether it be a, a newspaper or a wire service or some sort of job where you are forced to put your camera up to your eye and look at the world every day, even when you're not feeling good, when things are going lousy at home, when you're not making enough money, whatever it is, you have to you know, kind of shuck all that off, get in the field with a camera and just keep shooting. Despite the fact that, you know, as you just said, a lot of it's not going to be great stuff. It's not going to stick with you. And I always say at my workshops, you know, sometimes you're out there and you realize, I, I still to this day, I call it triage mode. It's mm -hmm. like, what do I have to do to save this patient? Okay, what do I have to do to make a picture that's going to enable me to fight another day? Okay, because <laughs> this sucks. You know, and I know it. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not too precious about that. I mean, you're, it's like playing a sport. You're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. And now, in Scott, you were. Joe, uh, I, I, I want to tell you, I read the book, it's amazing. This well, is the moment, the moment it clicks. The moment it clicks. You, you, I have never seen a book that uh, takes this approach. Was that I mean, You have this kind of weird conversational yet instructional yet documentary approach. I don't know if I'm phrasing it the way you'd like to hear it, but that's kind of the way I read it, uh, of kind of going through. You're teaching, but you're not overtly teaching. You're teaching subtly. You're, you're giving life lessons. You're saying this is what happened. And then if we're smart enough, we follow along and go, oh, yeah, I see what he did. How did you come up with that? Or is that just the way it organically developed? It pretty much uh, developed in an organic way that way. I mean, uh, Scott Kelby, uh, you know, uh, was my editor on the book, and he came to me after a class I was teaching. It actually wasn't even so much of a class. It was more like a lecture. And he came up to me, and he said, dude, just write down what you say in class. You'll have a book. And... I sort of did that. You know, I sat down and, and I always feel if you're going to teach somebody something which is part of the intent of the book, not the complete intent, it's better to do it anecdotally and also try to infuse a bit of personality into it, a bit of humor into it. And also, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of photographers out there who would never own up to the fact that they've made a mistake. Uh, one of the very first things every photographer does is make mistakes. And I certainly discuss that in the book. And mistakes are incredibly valuable in terms of your path to being a better photographer. Now, how, when, you, when you are um, working on a portrait, and you have a lot of portraits in, in your book here, uh, how, do you, how do you start? Like how, what's the planning process or the, or the preparation to, um, to step into that? Is a there lot any, of do you different have, do you have ways. Do you have any pattern? Or do you, or do you um, yeah. 
I pre-visualize a lot. I always try to go into the into the field with a with a concept or a notion. Sometimes it's dictated to you. You know, there's a certain mission that a, that you know a portrait might have if you're shooting for a magazine or a corporate client or an ad or something. That you you know you you know there's certain parameters you have to observe. When I'm just out there uh, editorially and and have a pretty free reign, uh, certainly if someone is well known, I go into research mode. I try to find out as much as I possibly can about that person. And that actually extends down into just plain folks too. I, you know, if you're if you're photographing, you know, the grandmother of the year for the local paper, it's good to research why she is such. You know, all that sort of stuff gives you a little bit of, you know, chit chat or patter that you can engage the person in. There's there's no greater way to break down somebody's door photographically other than to convince them that you are sincerely curious about who they are and and, and you your your presence there has a purpose. You you really want to get this this portrait of them, you wanted to indicate something about their life, and uh, that that oftentimes I think is the greatest icebreaker you can possibly bring to the party. And then visually, of course, you you kind of reverse engineer. Where's this picture going? Uh, Michelle Yeoh, for instance, uh, there's a picture of her dangling from a wire on a helicopter over the Hollywood sign. The way that came about was that I needed a picture for the National Geographic that spoke to the impact Asian actors and actresses were having on mainstream Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. and a lot of those roles are call for stunts, and she's a right. great stunt actress. So I said, "Let's do a stunt over the Hollywood sign." <laughs> Very good. And 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 how do you approach uh, lighting? Because one of the things that you're kind of, you know, a lot of this showing is in very complex lighting. And uh, how do you, um, how, where do you come up with that, or where do you start when you're starting to build out a, an image? Uh, Oftentimes, it's the location that speaks to you. Uh, one of the very first things I do when I walk into a location is look for, for where the light is coming from anyway, you know, through windows, doors, from the ceiling, etc. And can I use it? Is it, uh, you know, meaningful light or do I have to completely obliterate it and create my own light? Uh, or, mm-hmm. or, as I say, if it's, if it's heading in a good direction, how can I take this available light, if you will, and just kind of shape it or tweak it, bend it to my advantage? Then I am impact the scene very minimally uh, other times you realize you have to walk in and just do a whole scale redrawing of the scene in terms of light but i i really use the location as a as very often as a first sort of inspiration for how the light's going to proceed and and uh, now when did you move from uh digital to film to digital pretty late in the game actually uh the it was in the early 2000s, believe it or not. I was really kind of a latecomer to digital. And as I always say, it wasn't for any moral or aesthetic or any of that sort of sort of grounds. I was just plain out terrified of it, guys. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> how am I going to do this? You know, I've been a film photographer for a long time. But... Um, you know, things change, and that is that is certainly one of the watchwords of being a photographer. You have to reinvent and you have to change, or you will get left by the side of the road. Because as, as listen to all the technology you guys talked about in the upfront part of the show. I mean, the technology is out there doing a horse race, and, and we have to keep up with it somehow. Now, what's your, what's your typical shooting gear? Uh, I shoot D3s. Uh-huh. I shoot Nikon D3. And, uh, How many I, D3s I, do you have, Joe? <laughs> I've got three of them. I got D threes. <laughs> he doesn't just say I shoot D three. He says I shoot D threes. <laughs> yeah, I've, 
but you do have to have that when you go out uh, you know on an extended trip for say uh, a major commercial client or uh, or National Geographic last year for instance I, I did um, four weeks of shooting for in a row for Federal Express and I did Istanbul Berlin Rome and then we came back and did Vancouver and Seattle and you just beat the heck out of the cameras in two days shooting in Istanbul I turned around 120 gigs worth of photographs and the cameras just take a real beating so if, if one goes down then you're down to two and that's that's kind of a bare minimum to be with there hence you have to have you know the spare the third camera in your bag yeah well it's kind of an inside joke some of us have been lusting after d3 and so you saying d3s you know, it was just it, oh, hit, right. it hit a trigger with me. So sorry, it hurt him deep inside. You know, and and the notion that your backup for your D three is oh wait a minute another D three, <laughs> and your backup for your backup is oh yeah another D three. That's you know you're you living, want me to FedEx one of them to you guys? Yeah, that would yeah, be yeah, nice. FedEx one of them. Yeah, could you, could you call Nikon and tell them we got some Canon switchers here? You know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a heck of a camera. I'm not doing an ad for Nikon here. It's a, it's a heck of a camera. As, as you guys said earlier, this technology race is on, and we all benefit from it, you know, because Canon's going to punch back, you know, again, you know, with a super-duper camera. I mean, you know. Could you ask him to hurry? On? Could you ask him to hurry, Joe, if you know anybody there? Could you just, you know. It's, it's a little sure. painful. It's a little painful on the Canon side of the street right now. Yeah, that is, that is true. But, you know, you know the stuff leapfrogs. You know they're going to yeah. come back with something, you know, that's going to be a killer camera, and then Nikon's going to come back with something great you know it's you know here's the thing i mean i would have been happy if they if i they had put me in a box with my d2xs i thought that was a terrific (laughs) camera you know um (laughs) but now you know i've got a d3 and you couldn't drag me kicking and screaming back to a d2x (laughs) and i think that's going to be the case for us i mean for the next decade i think we're going to see this just massive uh shift in the way we even view you know look at photography yeah it's definitely true now, so, so, Joe, I uh, go ahead, Ryan. Jump in here for a second. I just just because you're talking about the D3, and this is actually a question that Steve Simon had tossed out, and he wasn't able to be here, so I'll ask it for him. Which is, you know, given this incredible low light performance on on the new cameras like the D3, now you you know you do a lot of stuff with uh, adding flash flash into the scenes. Is is that changing the way you do that now? Now that you can shoot in such low light and you can pull detail out of shadows and post processing. Absolutely. I, I mean, I shot a couple of pictures the other day at ISO 400, which is alien territory for me. You know, it's taken a lot of the fear out of pushing my ISO. And I do a lot of theater and dance work. Uh, I, I've always loved ballet, and it's always been kind of a hobby. But over the last four or five years, we've actually gotten significant assignments in the dance world. So to shoot theater at ISO 6400, especially when you couple it up with a, a you know fast glass, you know, like a 200 f2 or something like that, man, it's just a whole new world yeah and do you, I mean, does because part of this lets you then do more work in post-production you know you, you can bring up shadows that previously you would have had to have you know put in some kind of bounce light or a fill flash on there now you could do that in post because the, the details in there do you tend to do that more i mean how much how much does your post-production workflow changed and, and do you even deal with most of the post work uh, I don't do too much of it because I suck at it. Um, to be perfectly blunt about it, I, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm on a learning curve in terms of Photoshop and post production. I'm a I'm a big fan of 
the Capture NX, which is kind of, for me, it's almost like Photoshop for dummies. You know, with uh, U-Point technology, you can make certain kinds of adjustments that don't, don't require multiple, multiple layers and things like that that are, are greatly complex. I am blessed. I have a first assistant named Brad Moore, who is, you know, pretty much of a computer whiz. He's been with me now for a year and a half. And uh, he, uh, you know, he's far down the road in terms of Photoshop for me. So between the two of us, you know, we're able to keep keep a pace with things. We, you know, our storage, our Photoshop routine is pretty uh, pretty basic. Even even with his expertise, people tend not to call me to do an assignment that requires a major amount of post. Uh, they they'll call you know people who are who who are known for that or or the the look of their photography is at least partially derived in the in the post processing. Usually the kind of things that I get uh, are you know come out of the camera a little minimal sharpening. You know, maybe a, a little bit of exposure adjustment, and they're gone. Right. So the the book is uh, the moment it clicks uh, your book, and um, it is on uh, it is an, a new writer's book, and um, and it's fantastic. I, I think that uh, as I said, I got this a couple actually right when it came out, and uh, I was really excited to have you on. So thanks so much for um, sharing a little bit of wisdom with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, and um, and uh, we've got a uh, we're jumping to an audible pick of the week, and this one is coming from Ron. Ron Brinkman. <laughs> yes, Rainbow's uh, Edge. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting uh, trying to this, this, this is proving to be a challenge coming up with books that relate to photography since uh, it's such a visual medium. But um, you know, part of what I find interesting about photography is the technology behind it. So my my pick this week is actually going to be a science fiction book. Um, it's called Rainbow's End, and uh, if you're searching for it, that's the word rainbows does not have a parenthesis in it, so it's more of a statement that sounds kind of uh, <laughs> downbeat when you think about it. But um, the author is, is Werner Vinge, who anybody that reads science fiction is familiar with that name, and usually he writes, you know, big, you know, space opera kind of stuff. But Rainbow's End is a very, very near future kind of uh, novel. A really good read, but the reason I picked it is because he he's very aware of where the technology is going with things like um, you know ubiquitous cameras being everywhere and, and image processing and how that all relates to it. And so throughout the book, there's all this discussion of uh, you know in the next really like the next decade, uh, how is all of this uh, persistent camera technology going to change the way we interact with each other? And you know, it kind of touches on virtual reality kind of stuff but uh, it's it's more about uh, you know other other aspects of photography end up getting just sort of sprinkled throughout that so it really it's it's a thinker it makes you think about where some of this stuff's going to be going in the next few years well we'll have a link to that in the show notes thanks to our buddy Aaron and uh, we do want to thank Audible for their support we want to mention that uh, it's a special deal we've arranged with Audible for all TWIP listeners if you go to www audiblepodcast.com slash twip T-W-I-P you can get a free download it's simple as that there's no strings attached you can sign up and if you don't like the service after 30 days you can hang up the phone so to speak and you're out nothing you get to keep the free downloadable book so whether or not you pick Ron's pick or you pick one of your own. There are 45,000 titles to choose from, Alex. And uh, yes, and so and, and definitely uh, check that out um, and uh, Audible uh, I've become addicted yeah, I, I, we all are. I don't really actually read books. 
and you just let them be talking more. to you. I'd rather them some someone who's really good at it talk to me about it, and uh, it's great. So I've been I've been reading all kinds of stuff on Spartans, and you know, all t- all, yeah, that's that's been mine. I got Spartans. the Spartans, you know, and so uh, well, that's what happens. I watch a movie, and then I go, I wonder how accurate that is. And next thing I know, I'm I'm bouncing around on Audible, and then I download two or three books, and then I slowly absorb it while making uh, omelets in the morning. Hey, if you've got an idea, by the way, for a book we should talk about. Go up there on the delicious.com site and tag it with Twip Ideas, or once again, just send us an email from the blog. In any event, we do appreciate Audible's support. And I've got another deal for our listeners. Another deal? How many deals do we have? I have been working hard on this deal. So we've been doing a bunch of HDR. Uh, Not us. I know, you never (laughs) think that we were talking about HDR here. but uh, So a lot of people downloaded the demo version of Photomatics. They did. And Photomatics is really a fantastic uh, application. And they just came out with 3.0. And so we were talking to the guys over at, uh, who who make it, uh, HDR Soft. And uh, we worked out a discount for the TWIP listeners. And what would that be? 25%. That's a pretty good discount. I like. I, I, I think twenty five percent is. You know, we got an email asking for this. I know. So people were asking, "Are we going to get some kind of discount?" And the answer is yes. So all you have to do is you have to go to um, hdrsoft.com. We'll put the uh, this in the show notes, and um, and you use the coupon code TWIP twenty five. So it's T W with a, a capital T W lowercase I capital P twenty five, and you put that in the coupon code when you hit. Uh, uh, when you hit buy, so you hit buy, and then you put that in the coupon code, and it'll be twenty five percent less. So that's um, like seventy five bucks instead of a hundred. Exactly, not and bad. It's uh, so you save twenty five bucks. It's only a week long. So when you hear the oh, show okay. again, it'll be it's too over. late. It's over. Okay. So if for those of you who are listening uh, to this two weeks late, this is what this is what that gets you. <laughs> okay. so uh so that's you know there's nothing i can do for you don't send me an email uh it's a week long so uh so definitely uh check that out uh it's a i just think i just love photomatics i'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun i do too it, so. it's great you can't afford not to have this yeah yeah it's that just price, you can't afford not to yeah, exactly. So um, definitely, uh, definitely go check that out. And uh, we have time for maybe one one question. We've we've had a long a long show here. So you, you uh, pick. Oh boy. Okay. So here we go. Uh, the the one question we have here from Chris Niles is uh, um, he said as a college graduate I don't exactly uh, you know he doesn't have a lot of money. He he said um, he can spend uh, two hundred dollars on the CS three or should he get Elements? He's trying to figure out what's the real difference for him as a as someone who's doing a lot of photography. Um, between Photoshop uh, CS3 and Photoshop Elements, and whether you know which one he should be looking at, do you have any opinion, Scott? I do. Um, I, I think if you're if budget is a key constraint, and it sounds like it is here, you have to look at bang for your buck. You got to look at Elements because it's ninety ninety five percent of what a photographer will need. Yeah. Now it's not ninety five percent of what Photoshop is, but it's ninety ninety five percent of what a photographer will need out of Photoshop. You're going to give up a few things, but if budget is the big deal, I would look at Elements. It's a very capable program, and they continue to improve it. It continues to get more closely aligned with its big brother, Photoshop. And uh, you know the only the only caveat to that recommendation would be that you know if you think you're someone who is down the road going to get pretty serious about this, maybe even try to find yourself a job as you know a Photoshop person or, or or become you know a professional photographer, you'll be a little hamstrung by that decision later on. So uh, the, the, that's the only caveat. But, yeah, but for, if you're in the learning phase right now, I mean, the, I think the point is that 
you know, spend more time on the photography side of things and less time on the post-processing side of things. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, Elements makes it very easy. It's a very robust program. It's very fast. It's very powerful. It's cross-platform. I agree. I agree. I think that I think that elements. If you're comparing those two together, uh, you know, if you're going to do a lot of photo editing, if you're going to do heavy duty, uh, I'm going to change this over to this, or or, or um, you know, really create art pieces out of it, um, or do do really heavy editing. I think that you're going to need Photoshop. But I think that for the average uh, photographer who's just going to clean up some images and do a little fixes here and there, I think that elements is plenty. So, uh, so there we have it. Um, that is uh, the one question we're going to get to this week. Uh, we got a lot of them, so we'll have more for. We're going to just have to do a questions episode. You know, we, you know, in, in, in ask in well, ask a ninja is an omnibus, so we'll have to do an omnibus. Yeah, we're going to have because you know we get we're, we're, we're building up. We we're have, getting we have hundreds of questions. questions a week, and we right. we get to one or two because we're so pitiful. Yeah, so so we'll, we'll we'll do an omnibus sometime soon. So uh, so next week though, we're not going to we're not going to do this at all. No, we're going to change things up because. Uh, Ron and and you and I mm-hmm. will be in Las Vegas, Nevada at the National Association of Broadcasters Convention. Which has photography. Which has in all it. kinds of stuff there. Adobe's going to have a big booth there. Right. And so we're going to do a live show, so to speak. So that will be, uh, that'll be coming up next week. Um, and, and then we'll uh, go into our regular pattern the following week. Right, exactly. And, so, and we've got tons of great guests uh, uh, on the way. And finally, uh, before we, before we uh, leave here, we, we have a tip of the week. And since Joe was, uh, was so kind to join us, we figured we would have him give us a, a tip for the week. What do you have, Joe? Uh, pretty simple, pretty pretty straightforward. Pursuant to a couple of things we were mentioning about, you know, posting, you know, our pictures up on Flickr and whatnot, and and communicating with them, I very much urge photographers to think like a picture editor. Uh, try to imagine the fact or understand the fact that you're never going to be, or most of the time anyway, you're not going to be in the same room with the folks who are viewing your picture. So you're not going to be able to point things out to people. You're not going to be able to talk about it. You're not going to be able to narrate it. The picture's got to speak for itself. So I really really urge you to think like a picture editor realize that somebody else is going to see it a million miles away and it has to speak to them it'll make you a better photographer it'll make you more fluid in the field it'll make you change your angle if you're shooting long lens it'll make you go wide angle it'll make you get as many options as you possibly can because you're the one out there having the experience and that's all got to translate through your lens and oddly enough sometimes we forget about that we just we lock into our own ideas we put the camera down on a tripod and shoot everything from one angle and then expect that to, to carry the day Always remember, we haven't got all the answers. Move around. Um, think about the experience that someone else might have looking at that picture. That's fantastic. Great, that, great tip. A tremendous tip. Thank you. Joe, can people find you anywhere on, online? Sure. JoeMcNally.com. And we're also uh, blogging. I, I put up a blog earlier th- this morning. And uh, that's been a new adventure for us here at the studio, for sure. People seem to be responding. So Joe McNally Blogspot, you can get to it off of our website. And we'll, we'll link to it as well in our show notes, Joe. And uh, it is, uh, once again... Once again, the book is uh, The Moment It Clicks, and uh, it must have uh, as far as a photography library. Uh, and uh, Ron, where can people find you on the web? Uh, this week, I'll send people to uh, digitalcomposting.com. Digital composting. Taking those pixels, throwing them in a compost, hoping that you get better images out <laughs> you know, the one, other end. One man's fertilizer is another man's something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm Twittering now. since the, the, You're the Twittering. Mac, the MacBreak gang uh, forced me to sign up. Joe, Joe do, you, do you Twitter? I, I don't know to be honest. No. Scott, do you Twitter? I do. You can follow me at uh, Scott Bourne, all one word, on, on Twitter. And for some 
unholy reason, like 17, 1800 people are following me. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, Scott Bourne, all one word. Or you can visit uh, my photography portfolio at avianstock.com. That's A V like Victor, I A N S T O C K.com. And it's nothing but bird pictures, so. You know, don't don't be surprised if you see birds. Avian means bird, and that's my uh, that's my portfolio. You know, I, I, I I've I've gotten hooked on the twittering thing, so I'm I'm just Alex Lindsay, all one word. Uh, Twitter.com. And you can Lindsay. also be found at Pixelcore. We should mention that I can I can be found at Pixelcore, but the the the, the constant the, the stream screwy, the stream of screwy ideas comes out of the Twitter account um, uh, for me. So um, it's 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 usually how I vent when I'm in the airport. So uh, anyway, so thank you all uh, for listening and we're going to put the lens cap right back on. 